Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a former colleague, now an adversary because we're in several fantasy football leagues together. Uh, actually, fantasy basketball too. So we're constantly battling these days. Uh, but a great friend of mine and does a fantastic job covering the New York Knicks and the NBA. He has an awesome stub stack uh, called What's on Tap with Tommy Beer. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tommy Beer. Tommy, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, despite the fact that you put a whipping on me in our fantasy <laughs> basketball league head-to-head matchup. Put a, put a, put a smackdown on me. So other than that, uh, I'm doing all right. It was my first win of the season, so I think I really needed it. But yeah, it was like the highest scoring week I've had since we started that league. It was kind of crazy. Everything kind of came together, and the basketball gods were like, you know what? We're tired of you being winless. We're gonna give you. We're gonna help you out here a little bit. So. Yeah, uh, it's been a fun league. Um, I want to start with the Knicks because, again, you do such a great job covering this team with your Substack and on Twitter. Um, what do you make of this team's start so far? Um, you're, they're 5-5. Five and five. Uh, We'll kind of get into some specific players and situations here in a minute, but what are your thoughts on what the team has shown so far? Yeah, I think, uh, listen, if you when the schedule was released earlier, you know, two months ago or so, whatever that release date was of the summer, Knicks had a really tough opening stretch uh, of, the, of the schedule. So I think if you were to ask Knicks fans um, at the start of the season, two months ago, during the preseason, hey, would you guys sign up for five and five through the first 10 games of the season? I think most would have said yes. And that's where they're at now. Um, there were some bumps in the road. They were two and four. Um, uh, took advantage of an easy schedule last week, three straight home games. Um, you know, beat up on the Spurs, beat up on the Hornets, you know, winnable games at home games they should win to get to five and four, which gave them some breathing room, went to Boston on Monday night um, and uh, weren't able to handle Tatum. Um, it didn't help the fact that they were playing without RJ Barrett, um, second night of a back-to-back, et cetera. But again, big picture, um, start off five and five. Everybody can kind of take a little bit of a deep breath. Um, still, you know, some, some challenging games are at the start of a road trip. Um, but again, all things considered, they're still, um, I don't think we have to make any major proclamations, really good, really bad one way or the other. Um, so for that, I, I think Nick fans are thankful. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Julius Randle? Because there's been a lot of conversation just about lack of effort and, uh, some Knicks fans showing frustration just about how he's been playing, but then also, you know, you see some national analysts and other fan bases saying, man, I'm so glad that Randall's not on my team, things like that. And it feels like Knicks fans have always kind of had like a love-hate relationship with Randall. Uh, you know, sometimes he's been playing great and putting up crazy numbers and the effort's there. Other times, you know, it's he leaves a lot to be desired. This season, he's averaging 18, 10, and 5. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of what Randall has shown so far and some of the conversation out there about him? It's fascinating, Alex, to be honest. You know, I've been covering this team for 15, 16 years, something like that now. I've been New York uh, my whole life, 40-plus years. So I've seen a lot of athletes, and not just Knicks, athletes come and go, succeed. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, accolades, two, you know, all-NBA team, you know, theoretically one of the 15 best players in the NBA two of the last three years. Um, you know, the only Nick to do that this century um, other than Carmelo. Um, you would it, on paper, you would think, oh, my God, Knicks fans got to love this guy. But there is that aspect of watching him day in, day out um, that is undeniably frustrating for a fan base, um, you know, that kind of grew up with the Patrick Ewings and the Masons and the Oakleys and the Starks, the 90s Knicks. And, um, you know, so that, that just 
despite, regardless of what their individual statistics were, you know they compete defensively. You know they bust their butt um, every time they step on the floor every night. Um, and you don't get that with Randall. Um, undeniably, you get incredible statistical production. Um, even in a down year, 20 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. In a down night, you know, we'll have 22, 12, and four, you know, something along those lines. Percentages aren't great. They can come and go. Um, but it's his, it's the lack of effort defensively when a shot isn't falling that drives Nick fans crazy. Um, it's the kind of blaming teammates when he doesn't get the ball in big spots that, that irks fans. Um, and his inability to produce in the postseason has left a, a sour taste um, in the, you know, for, for Nick fans, uh, uh, you know, in, in the last two of the last three years when they've advanced the playoffs. So there's a lot of that in there. Um, I think ultimately it kind of comes down to how much our regular season wins worth because he undoubtedly produces regular season wins. You know, a guy averages, uh, you know, 20, 10 and five, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, those, those are valuable production that you need. Um, he's constantly available, um, you know, plays uh, every game. You give him credit for that. Um, so it's, 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 it's a really fascinating dynamic there. Um, I think Nick fans would still be very open to trading him for the, for the right piece. You know, just this week, there's been some conversations, Zion Williamson making some kind of eye-opening comments down in New Orleans. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, but then you get to what is his value because other players and professionals, um, you know, uh, around the league kind of see this, this Jekyll and Hyde act with Randall where he can be great for a couple weeks and then just kind of decide he's not going to play defense for a couple games. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out, but it certainly has been interesting thus far. And I expect it to kind of continue that way going forward. Yeah. When you talk about Randall's value, it seems like a lot of Knicks fans, uh, you know, they'll get upset when they see certain trade ideas or, or things like that. And they're like, yeah, we're frustrated with him, but he's worth right. more. He's worth more than that. Like it, it feels like there's a big gap between how maybe the Knicks and their fans value Randall, and maybe like you know other trade ideas that are thrown out there, or maybe how other teams. I don't know how their teams value him, but um, I've seen that too. It seems like uh, you know even though there's those frustrating moments and Knicks fans can be fed up, they're like, okay, but we're not giving away for you know just that. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with that whole situation. You mentioned, you know, different trade rumors and popping up like, you know, recently with Zion. And it feels like that's the case with this Knicks team, you know, uh, for years now. They're always chasing stars. And I think that's the right approach if you're a big market team. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that only a handful of teams in the NBA have that luxury to be able to go pursue stars in free agency and, you know, trade for stars and then keep them. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of the future of this this team and, you know, there, there's rumors about them kind of waiting out for Joel Embiid and hoping he becomes available and, and maybe they can make a move for him. What are your thoughts on kind of the the, the approach of this run office and uh, the ability to, to hunt stars going forward? Yeah, I, I think, listen, history has taught us that you need a superstar to win an NBA championship. You know, in the, in the last, what, 30 years or so, um, the 2004 Pistons are probably the only team without a top five, you know, top three, really. Um, you know, talent, superstar, MVP level player, um, or multiple top 10 players uh, to, to capture a championship. Um, so them being the outlier, maybe you want to throw in the, the 2019 Raptors in that conversation. But um, you're in, you're out, you know, if you don't have Jokic, if you don't have, uh, you know, Giannis, if you don't have Steph Curry, um, you know, those are the type of players, those are the type of superstars that, you know, you can win 50 plus regular season games, but when push comes to shove, 
if you don't have one of those guys that can take over in the fourth quarter, it's really difficult to, to, to win a, a championship. Um, and I wrote about it this morning, actually, just re- regarding the Knicks. Um, they're, they're a shorthanded team. Um, they were playing, you know, without obviously Barrett, um, but and they played close for for you know basically three quarters. What happens in the fourth quarter? Jason Tatum scores seventeen points and and dominates the Knicks on that end. Um, so that's basically what they, you know, what the Knicks are up against. If they don't have a guy that can kind of match that talent, um, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, you would think down the long run. So for that reason, um, it makes sense for them to target whether Embiid's that guy. He's had his own postseason struggles. He has his own health issues. Um, that's kind of the million dollar question. Um, but it certainly makes sense for the, the Knicks to kind of, uh, work under that philosophy of build, build around the edges. You got Brunson, who's good, you know, who, who can be, you know, kind of the complimentary player on a, on a great team. Yeah. Barrett, you have some good young players, IQ and Grimes. Um, and you've kept all your draft capital. Now that's the, that's that last final piece, um, is to get that guy that can, that can ultimately, hopefully win your championship. So I was just looking up. I saw uh, former Knicks executive Scott Perry came out recently and said, you know, the reason they didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell is because they didn't think he was that singular driving force uh, that can, you know, win you a championship. And they didn't feel like he was that guy. Um, Do you think they made the right move there, not making the trade for Mitchell? Or uh, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, I think it makes sense. You know, like when when you look at the big picture, um, I think Knicks fans have to be at least content um, that they didn't go all in for Mitchell because we've talked about guys that are really good, but is Mitchell, and that's what, and this is what Perry alluded to, um, is do you want to push all your chips into the middle of the table for a guy that's very good? There's no denying Donovan Mitchell's incredible offensive talent, but does he give you enough on the on the other end of the floor? Is the backcourt of him and Brunson, you know, defensively deficient to the point where um, they're not going to be able to get stops in a seven game series? Those are the kind of things that really complicate uh, that, that complicated. Um, the Donovan Mitchell negotiations. And then you get into the fact that, okay, what do you have to give up to bring the superstar in? Um, if you have to give up Barrett and Grimes and IQ and first round draft picks, which prevents you not only obviously prevents you from drafting players in the future, but prevents you from making trades with that draft capital to bring in another guy. Um, I think all things considered, um, Nick fans are happy that they didn't, you know, go all in for Donovan Mitchell. Um, it was kind of, you know, and I think they were, I think the front office, Leon Rose and, and Perry in particular, um, were rewarded by the Knicks beating the Cavs in the first game, you know, the first round series last year in five games. The other thing to keep the, to, to keep note of is Donovan Mitchell will probably be on the trade block again if he doesn't choose to sign an extension this summer. Um, so the Knicks ultimately, the best of both worlds, could not, don't have to give up assets to get him. And then if and when he becomes a free agent, sign him because it seems like, you know, if you read all the tea leaves, he wants to be here um, and or trade for him when the asking price is obviously a lot less than Danny Ainge was asking. Um, if the Cavs are backed into a corner, be it this off season, this, uh, you know, the, the trade deadline this February or next February, something along those lines. What's the fan perception of Leon Rose in this front office at this point? Because it seems like it's been pretty positive and, and there's a lot of excitement about what they've been able to, kind of build and and there's trust in them going forward but I'm, I'm i'm obviously an outsider from you know your perspective what's the perception of the of this front office yeah it's it, it's probably a, a little bit in between um you you know you have fans that that wanted a championship yesterday so the fact that they haven't won one yet um is frustrating but i think the majority of the fan base is happy but again 
Um, you know, there have been some missteps here. The Alex Burks contract, the Nerlens Noel, the, 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 the Evan Fournier deal um, that, that basically have become dead weight where you have to attach draft capital to these guys to get rid of them, to sign Jalen Brunson. Evan Fournier is making $18 million a year, hasn't stepped foot on the floor. Do they trade him for, you know, a, a, do they, do they um, use his, his expiring salary as part of a larger deal? We'll see. Um, ultimately, I think most fans would give them like a B, you know, a, a C plus, B, B plus, somewhere in that range. You know, not quite an A, certainly not a failing grade. When you look at the context of how bad the Knicks were for the first 20 years of this millennium and the last three years. Um, that being said, they are, you know, kind of on the clock because ultimately they'll be judged by whether or not they bring that superstar home, um, and or can advance to the, you know, the, the conference finals with the group as is maybe Barrett takes a major step forward. You know, uh, Randall has a great postseason for the first time. We know what Brunson can deliver. And then you get, you know, step up from IQ again, they were, you know, game six in Miami, um, you know, tied with 30 seconds left that they win that. Can they beat the, the Heat in Game 7? Then can they beat a vulnerable Celtics team? So they weren't that far away from the finals as is. You would think with the improvements the Celtics have made, as good as the Sixers look, with the improvements the Bucks have made, that the Knicks are definitely not close to that top tier, um, certainly firmly in that second tier. We'll see if they can kind of take the steps necessary to get into that upper echelon. There was so much hype about R.J. Barrett, you know, uh, entering the NBA. Uh, I remember talking to Drew Hanlon on my old podcast, and he was saying that, like, at 16, 17 years old, he was, like, dominating NBA players in workouts and scrimmages. And, you know, obviously, he was a very high draft pick. What are your thoughts on his development? He's still only 23 years old, so there's still a lot of untapped potential there. But, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of what he's shown so far? Yeah, I mean, there uh, R.J. Barrett has undoubtedly, you know, you can argue Mitchell Robinson playing really well and, you know, kind of generating some defensive player of the year buzz. But in terms of upside and, 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 and positive storylines for the Knicks over the first 10 games of the season, R.J. Barrett's number one. Um, you know, we, we knew that he could score. We knew that he could show flashes of defensive versatility, defense, you know, effectiveness on the defensive end. He's really pieced it all together. Um, that being said, he's missed two games with a knee injury and, and missed Monday night's game with the migraine. So it, 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 it's not just a 10-game. It's only a seven-game sample size, so we can't go crazy. That being said, the dude is shooting 50% from the floor, um, 85% from the free throw line. And in the past, even when RJ had played well, the plus-minus numbers, you know, the, the on-off splits never were all that encouraging uh, in terms of his production. You know, a lot of a lot of folks would criticize him as kind of empty calorie points, um, putting up, uh, you know, decent, you know, solid counting stats um, on, on teams that weren't overly successful early in his career. That has not been the case this season. Um, you know, for instance, the last seven games the Knicks have played, they're 4-0 in the games RJ has appeared in, they're 0-3 in the games that he has missed. And he has by far and away the best net rating on the team. Um, Knicks are averaging uh, his net rating, individual net rating. Again, you know, small sample size. How much you know weight you want to put on net rating is is up to you. Um, plus eighteen point eight. Uh, that's fourth in the entire league um, in terms of his individual net rating. He's played about two hundred minutes this season. Um, when he's on the floor, it's plus eighteen point eight. Off the floor, minus sixteen point seven. So he's been by far and away the Knicks' most consistent, effective offensive option. When you're on a team with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, that says something. Um, can he keep it up? He's had hot streaks, you know, previously. Uh, the second half of last season, he struggled, but then played really well in the postseason. Um, did some good things for Canada and FIBA. Um, so kind of came into this the regular season um, with some confidence. 
Um, again, if he can, you know, we'll see if he can continue to shoot that way. Is he going to shoot 50% from three point land better than Seth Curry? Absolutely not. But if he can, you know, get, you know, scratch that 40% number, if he can shoot the high thirties, um, you know, shoot high four, uh, uh, shoot high forties in terms of field goal percentage, become a more consistent, uh, defender. Um, they certainly missed him last night against a guy like Jason Tatum that can kind of unlock the Knicks and, and take them to another level. Um, and which, which complicates, you know, the trade talks, do they include him in a deal? Um, for a potential superstar. So um, definitely one of the most interesting storylines, uh, you know, for, for, for Nick fans over the next few months or so. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you're missing out. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their Prize Pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people, which might include experts and sharks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on virtually every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports. So you could have Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download Prize Picks today and use the promo code RUNNING, They'll double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code running, and they will match your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build an entry right now. All right, so we're on prize picks. We had a great week last week. Both of our entries uh, last week hit, so I was able to triple my money with both entries. That was awesome. Uh, Usually, I pick two-player entries. I think that's the safest bet. Uh, obviously if you go with a six player entry, you can 25 times your money. Uh, so that's an option if anyone wants to do that. Uh, I'm going to start here with SGA more than 27.5 points. They do these special taco Tuesday projections where they lower the guy's projection, make it a bit easier. So I'm going to go with that. And then let's go over to fantasy score. I'm going to go bam out of bio less than 44.5 fantasy score. Let's go with a $20 entry place entry. Just like that. We're good to go. Thank you to Prize Picks for sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING and they will double your first deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING. Let's get back to the episode. On your Twitter account, you've been uh, covering this James Harden situation and, and uh, some of the tweets have been hilarious about just Harden's struggles and <laughs> some of his comments and things like that. So I want to ask you, the Sixers have an eight-game winning streak uh, right now. The Clippers haven't won a game since acquiring Harden and I know they're kind of worried because after the season, Harden's a free agent. Kawhi and PG can opt out. You know, they traded draft picks. You know, they're kind of committed to this core now. What are your thoughts on both sides of that trade? I mean, how Philly's looking? It seems like they're all bought in and playing for each other. And, you know, the vibes are great in Philly. And then the Clippers, you know, I think Patrick Beverly said yesterday, he thinks it's going to be an awful regular season team. And then come playoff time, they can turn it on and and they could be scary and better than the record indicates in the playoffs. Uh, But what are your thoughts on kind of both sides of that trade? I, as someone who bet the under on the, on the Sixers win loss total this year, I think it was like 49 wins or something along those lines. My, the thinking was that it's really difficult for a team to be successful with a toxic dark cloud hanging over the franchise. And it seemed like the Clippers were willing to play hardball. I thought they should have, cause I didn't see the, the, the real, the, the tangible benefit for giving up valuable assets to bring that toxicity to your organization. Um, but unfortunately for, uh, Celtics fans and Bucks fans and Knicks fans and people that bet these Sixers under, um, they did the right thing. Um, and I thought they'd have to accept like 50 cents in the dollar or 60 cents in the dollar. I thought they got a very good return. So credit for Daryl Morey for kind of 
um, you know, uh, playing hardball for a while there and, and still getting some valuable trade draft capital, which they can use to, uh, you know, acquire some additional talent at the deadline, getting some valuable, uh, you know, veteran options. I think Batum's going to help them at points. I like KJ Martin. Um, so there's, uh, you know, Rocco could, could contribute, um, especially if you have some, some injury issues. Um, and uh, obviously you kind of unleashed Maxi to kind of, you know, be the, the star that a lot of Sixer fans thought he would be. Um, and he's not playing at an all-star level right now. He's playing at an all-NBA level. Um, you look at his production, scoring efficiency, um, his assist-to-turnover ratio is like 8, you know, 7.5 to 1 or something ridiculous like that. Um, so, yeah, just a, 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 a really good job by the Sixers. I, I think it's going to work out well for them. And, you know, if nothing else, addition by subtraction because, you know, uh, again, we've seen Harden go to Brooklyn. It was supposed to be great that, you know, it backfired. We've seen him go to Philly and, you know, and, and, and things didn't work out well. Um, I, I, why GMs and, and basketball personnel who know far more about basketball than I ever will continue to take the chances on guys like Harden, guys like Kyrie, um, I don't understand it. Um, it tends to backfire more often than, it, than, than not. Um, so uh, I think it's good for the Sixers, um, and, and, and their record speaks to itself. As far as the Clippers, I, I don't want to – I didn't – I can't kill them for making the deal because I think this is kind of an all-in year. Um, I think it does certainly have a chance to backfire, um, but maybe they felt, you know, internally, you know, Kawhi and PG were pressuring them, hey, bring in our buddy. Um, and, and at this stage of the game, when they're, you know, this close to free agency, you got to do what you can to keep those guys happy. They're opening a new arena. Um, you know, the worst case scenario is those guys, you know, leaving uh, after the season. And you're right. Um, I, I, th- I think... Prior to last season, I picked the Clippers to go to the finals um, because, you know, that that combination of Kawhi and, and Paul George, if they're healthy, um, uh, is scary. And listen, and, and you're totally right. Let's say the, the, the Clippers, you know, f- you know, are the sixth seed or, you know, or even the ninth seed. The Suns or the, you know, whatever teams, you know, the Timberwolves, whatever teams, um, you know, at the top of those brackets, you do not want to see. Uh, Harden and and Kawhi and George, heaven forbid, they're all healthy at the same time, and and Russ giving you some some energy off the bench. I think eventually um, either Harden or Russ will, will will settle into a role as a six man. Maybe they're you know if they'll allow it. Um, but yeah, so for all those things, I, I wouldn't you know I certainly wouldn't count the Clippers out, but um, I wouldn't count on them either. Yeah, I think uh, even Ty Lue said he's going to start staggering uh, Harden and Russ, which I think that was kind of inevitable. Um, But you're right. Every time a trade like that happens, you always start wondering, okay, was this the stars that were asking for it? Was ownership pushing for it? There's always those little factors that make you wonder, you know, who was kind of motivated to make this deal happen and who was the driving force behind it. But yeah, they're going to be an interesting team. I mean, so far it hasn't worked out, obviously. But, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention as the season goes on to see if they can turn things around. Um, Last question for you. Victor Wembanyama has been a huge story. Everyone's having fun watching him. I think the Knicks have done the best job against him of any team so far, and, and that was encouraging for Knicks fans. And um, I think other teams are kind of looking at that game as maybe a way to, to shut him down a bit, but um, or at least contain him. But what are your thoughts on kind of what Wemby has shown so far and then this rookie class as a whole, which has been a ton of fun? Yeah. Um, listen, I, you know, <laughs> It, it, there's very few players that come into the, the, the league with expectations, um, you know, uh, LeBron-esque expectations, um, and even fewer that have those expectations and, and can live up with them. And the early returns on Wembeyana have been um, nothing short of spectacular. 
um, you know, for him to already have 38 point games and, uh, you know, double doubles consistently. And even when he's struggling offensively, um, him being able to impact the game on the defensive end, um, a true, true unicorn alien, whatever you want to call him, um, really great for the league. And um, I think as a basketball fan, you're happy that he ended up in San Antonio, um, which, you know, that's that franchise, that organization, that head coach. Um, we'll do everything in their power to kind of develop him and develop him the right way. Um, you know, rest him when need be, not push him too hard. Um, I, I really like watching, you know, you talk about, um, you know, league pass teams. I love watching that Spurs team. I love them kind of experimenting with Jeremy Sochan at, at Sohan at point guard. Um, and, and, the, and Vassell obviously signed that big contract, him and Kelvin Johnson um, on the wings. They're, they're going to be exciting young team going forward. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all in on Wemby. Um, and, uh, and I think that one of the things you have to be encouraged by is, um, you know, the, 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 the way that I think he kind of understands, um, you know, where he can kind of fail and where he can kind of slip up in terms of injury issues. Um, I think it's really encouraging to see him do that yoga and stretching and, yeah. um, you know, because that's the concern, you know, you just, you hope that the guy stays healthy and there just hasn't been a player seven, three, seven, four, seven, five. Um, that has avoided, you know, foot injuries, whether it's Yao Ming or, you know, KP has had some injuries and obviously Ralph Sampson. And, you know, you go back, um, you know, the same buoys of the world. It's just really, really difficult. Um, history tells us the human body to kind of, um, you know, survive under that pressure, under that weight. Um, but, you know, Wemby's kind of of a, of a different, he came of age in a different time when, you know, you didn't allow, you know, what would have happened if Ralph Sampson, if he came, if he was a teenager today, they wouldn't force him to go in the, you know, play low post. They let him shoot mm-hmm. threes and handle the ball and, and work on his ball handling, et cetera. So I think Wembyan has kind of benefited from that kind of open-mindedness that, okay, just because he's tall doesn't mean he has to play down low. Europeans were ahead of that thinking, you know, in terms of, you know, compared with Americans for, for a large part. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we're all rooting for him, um, hoping he stays healthy because, um, you know, when you look at some of the kind of the aging stars, you know, you know, uh, LeBron, obviously, 38, 39 years old, Steph, you know, in, in his mid-30s, who's that kind of that next guy to kind of take the mantelpiece? We've seen Anthony Edwards kind of explode on the scene with Team USA over the summer and you know, the, the, the early returns on him this this uh, this year have been fantastic. So hopefully Wemby and some of those other younger guys can kind of take the mantle from the older game. For sure. You mentioned the video of him just being flexible. I, I think I tweeted something like, that was the scariest video that's come out about Wemby, which is, it says a lot considering everything he's <laughs> doing on the floor. But I mean, that he looked like he wasn't a human. He looked like Gumby out there just can, you know doing splits and everything. I mentioned that to uh, Tim Martin when he was on the show. That's Wemby's trainer. And he was like, yeah, he's been working with like flexibility people and stuff for years. And to your point, that's just great to see. It seems like he's doing all the right things from an injury prevention standpoint, uh, flexibility yeah. standpoint, like uh, I think the way that he's been prepared for this, uh, it's not like he just, you know, uh, started playing basketball a few years ago. And, you know, they've thought about everything, it seems like, which is great to hear. And he seems like he loves the game. I mean, obviously, we're, we're looking at it from the outside, looking in. But just the way he competes, you know, his compete level, that stuff's important. Um, you've seen other uber-talented players come into the league and, you know, they'll have good nights and off nights. But I really like the way he's responded to the losses. Um, you know, he's not worried about winning rookie of the year or, you know, some guys give lip service to it, but if you, you kind of watch him up close, you know, the way he fights over screens and you know, because it's easy to quit on plays and, you know, get run down, but he's coming to the, uh, into the NBA in great shape. 
Um, and it just seems like, you know, if he's committed to, you know, preparing himself, because obviously, this, you know, once he starts kind of reading the headlines, it doesn't seem like it gets to his head. Um, he seems like he has a really good, um, you know, head on his shoulders in terms of taking the, the criticism and, the, you know, he's in, you know, kind of insulated himself um, with a good group of guys. And again, the Spurs organization will only, you know, work with him in that respect. Um, so it'll, it'll be very interesting to see kind of, you know, what this, uh, and he also, you know, can poke fun at himself wearing the Slender Man, um, Halloween <laughs> costume was awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, here's, here's the hope in, uh, that he stays healthy and then gives us lots of Twitter highlights over the next uh, few years, few decades. Yeah, definitely seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, seems mature, has a good like support system, doesn't seem to take himself too seriously. And, uh, it doesn't seem like he's super cocky or anything either. Like, right, I right. think he, he kind of checks all the boxes. If you're an executive, he seems like yes. an executive's dream. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, watching him develop. He's been a ton of fun. Uh, I appreciate you joining me. It's always fun to, to chat with you and catch up. Everyone, make sure you guys check out Tommy's Substack, What's on Tap with Tommy Beer. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Tommy Beer. Does a great job covering this New York Knicks team and the NBA as a whole. Tommy, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Alex. Always a pleasure and uh, be in touch. If you guys want to hear more episodes of Running Up the Score, you can watch on Twitter, you can watch on YouTube, you can listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We drop new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Until next time, thanks for watching.